Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. In the midst of all that we have been doing and seeing, we, we have decided to have a conversation these past two weeks and moving to the, through the rest of October around this idea of deconstruction. So we'll define that and we'll talk about that. But this scripture out of Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 13 to 22, it's, it's Paul talking about the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. But more importantly, he's speaking of the truth that can be found in unity in Christ and the possibility of what happens when people are together as one. The the power of a church or a people unified by the Spirit of God. And and here's the thing for myself. When I read such things or I know of such promises that are communicated in in the Word, uh, they, they can be compelling, they can be uplifting, they can be inspiring. But in the same sense, I think for many of us, such prompts of power and unity or possibility and unity can feel lacking, perhaps confusing, maybe a little bit hypocritical, and, and perhaps just simply false based upon your perspective. In the past two weeks, we've had conversations of deconstruction. We've asked the question, what do we do with the atrocities and hypocrisies of church history? And last, last week, we talked about, is the Bible trustworthy? And the big idea for this Sunday that we are going to be diving into is a simple question, does the church matter? Now, up front, I think it's important to recognize that I have an extreme and obvious bias in this question. Uh, I have a basis of, a bias of uh, experience. I have a bias of vocation, of confession, of relationship, and, and of belief. And, and a bias of story. And perhaps there's those of you today that when you hear this question, you feel like you almost have an automatic response to it. A really quick response. And, and, and this question actually doesn't really promote, provoke much inside of you. In fact, it just is, kind of leads to more of a defensive stance. But the reality is that this question is asked and it's presented in the middle of many experiences of deconstruction, perhaps a personal crisis, an intellectual finding, a a personal dissonance, a a sense of irrelevance that's been growing about the church in general, maybe a negative or traumatic experience within community, a, a lack of knowledge or exposure to it, period. All of these things play roles within how we respond to the question, does the church matter? This is a question asked inside and outside of the church. And I would like to contend this morning that to simply brush it aside with confident ignorance actually confirms the feelings around said question as true. This is worth engaging with. In fact, when I hear a confident response or a, or a defense for it or even just a feeling around it, it is often associated with one thing, and that is story. If you have an inherent love for the church or an appreciation of it, and I was to ask you, does the church matter? I would, I would expect and probably see 
a story brought to the forefront. This was my experience. This is what took place. This is why I believe that the church matters. But what do we do when the response to the question is a negative story that doesn't align with a positive outcome? Because this is what we, we know to be true. Church hurt is real. There has, been, there has been awful things done in church history, but there has been moments in our current day realities that have been hurtful as well. So when the subjective approach to this question leads us to this negative experience, what do we do with story? Is one more valid than the other? I would say no. Is one not true simply because we do not agree with it? No. If this has taken place, this element of, of church hurt or a growing sense of irrelevance because of something that's taken place, I'm going to do something that we've done these past two weeks. I, would, I just want to apologize. I'm sorry that has taken place. It's not the heart of God for his people, for the church, or for the world that hurt would be found here. But we don't brush aside this question because we disagree with an experience or we don't want to be confronted by it. In fact, I hope that this topic would actually pique your curiosity. To confront this question more honestly is actually intellectual honesty, in my opinion. To deal with the frustrations that are present and the issues that lie within. There's a great quote from C.S. Lewis out of his book, the Grief, uh, A Grief Observed, and it says this. He says, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered time after time. He shatters it himself. He is the great iconoclast. Could we not almost say that this shattering is one of the marks of his presence? And in some ways, if deconstruction and shattering look similar, I would contend that what Lewis is proposing is that the shattering of your faith is actually maybe the space in which you can discover the presence of God. That it does not have to be something that we fear, but something that we enter into with an expectation that God meets us within it. So if this question makes you uncomfortable, good. If some of the things I've already said make you uncomfortable, great because we're going to talk about some more uncomfortable things. I hope you're with me. Uh, we're, we're looking at a, this word shatter. Now, how many of us in the room love a good puzzle? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Nothing's wrong with loving a good puzzle. I think we've all got the ones that we enjoy. You, you pick out the, the picture that you would love desiring at the end. Maybe it is a landscape. Maybe it's a photo, uh, a TV show that you enjoy, an animal of your preference. Whatever it is, we, we all have a, a puzzle perhaps that we like to engage with. And what do you know when you pick that puzzle? That the picture on the front of the box is going to have pieces within it that will form it. That is the expectation. And when we ask the question, does the church matter? I think for some of us, we have a picture that comes to mind of what we believe the church to be. And we have had pieces in our life, experiences, conversations, facts, 
that have made up this picture and have led us to this place. But what happens when the expected picture for someone else doesn't come with the same set of puzzle pieces? It seems actually incredibly unfair to blame the placer of the puzzle pieces for the final picture that they have developed when they are, are just working with the puzzle pieces that they have been given. I believe that the stories matter specifically across the board, but there are also some objective facts I think we can discover in building the picture of the church. To give both parties, those who are for it, those who are in the church, those who are skeptical of the church, to have all parties end up with the same puzzle pieces. Because if we look at the scriptures, there is a, there's a belief that you're going to find truth, that truth should reign. But perhaps that puzzle piece has been replaced with hypocrisy. Where peace would be found, but betrayal took its place. Where grace should be given, judgment was inflicted. So I want to present a set of puzzle pieces this morning. Uh, the question that I feel like we're presented with when we ask the question, does the church matter, is even the, the idea of why do, why do people give up on church? So based on my own experience, conversations with people, uh, books that I've read, this is a, a fairly comprehensive list. Obviously, there's, everyone's got different ideas within it, but some of the responses that I've found to why do people give up on church include, I can connect to God outside of church. People are incredibly hypocritical. I've, I've had a bad church experience. It just isn't my style or preference. It's a psychological crutch for weak people. I'm not comfortable with religious people. Nothing seems genuine. I love Jesus, but not the church. Outside perception of the church doesn't make me comfortable. Faith has a limited effect on most people's behavior. I, I left because of doctrinal diversity. Uh, acceptance is contingent on agreement, and legitimate doubt seems prohibited. Have you heard these arguments before? Have you heard these experiences from people that perhaps you know and hold as dear? not unvalid. In 2019 and 2021, uh, Barna Group, they did a study in Canada on the perception of the church. In 2019, if we look at the opinion of the church, you can throw that slide up. In 2019, 49% of Canadian adults believed that the church is good for people, and that number dropped to 42% in 2021. Those numbers were 73% and 66% respectively for Christians that were polled. 46% of Canadian adults believed the church important to society in 2019. That dropped to 39% in 2021. 69 to 62% for Christians. 23% of people were of the opinion that the church was harmful. 26 said it detrimental, and those numbers jumped to 31 and 34% in 2021. Christians in 2019 had that, those numbers at 7 and 8%, believing it harmful and detrimental, but both of those numbers also jumped in 2021 to 
There's a, there's a deepening ambivalence about the church as well. You can put a slide up there around the national perspective of religion, and it very much reflects similar statistics in regards to whether a religion is good, whether it's harmful, whether it's detrimental, and whether it's helpful to people. And I find, I find this poll fascinating because the question that's being asked is pretty simple. Is the church good? Is it helpful? Is it harmful? Is it detrimental? And at a baseline, should not the church be known to simply be a place that is good? Should it not be known as a place that is helpful? But it yet, it, it seems to be a growing sentiment that those things do not equate with the perception of the church. The church as Christ intended it, would be considered good for people, important to society, and not harmful or detrimental. Next slide about non-churchgoers. Uh, one of the arguments that's simply made is, is that it doesn't matter what people think is, as long as it's true. But I would suggest that men, for many, their pathway to truth is not simply a statement indicating as much. Churchgoers are more interested in knowing that Christianity is true, while non-churchgoers are more concerned with knowing that Christianity is good. Do you see the disconnect? If the impression of the church is that it isn't good, and the thing that they value most about the church is that it is good, there's a disconnect. So to ask the question, does the church matter, would be fairly divisive, I would say. The perspective of church is that the majority don't believe that it is good. You can throw up the slide about formation and activity. Now, uh, whether or not the perception is what it is, this is what we've also discovered amongst studies that are looking at formation and activity within the church. A survey indicates that the church has been a place for many, specifically those they looked at within the ages of 18 to 35. They learned to act for the poor reach out to the marginalized, and fight for those who are unjustly treated. The church has been a good thing for those who have been involved in it. And for people that are in the church and outside the church, there's some musts that come up to, come to the forefront. Conversations of gender equity, personal freedoms, racial justice, religious liberties, all these, all these pieces at play that are in society are also prominent as desires for must within the church. And then we get to our post-pandemic reality because we've been confronted with the truth that sometimes doing church at home is hard. <laughs> Preaching to a camera is not the same thing. <laughs> Worshiping on your couch is, is fine, but it is different than with a group of people. And studies are showing that in our post-pandemic process, one-third of those who have stopped attending are either unsure or are not returning. I'm sorry if the picture seems bleak. <laughs> but I want to I be honest. Because I came to this question of does church matter? And I immediately felt defensive. Of course it does. Look what it's done for my life. 
for those that I love. But yet, statistics, objective facts, seem to indicate that that is not the overall sentiment. So in order for us to answer the question, does church matter, I think we need to understand the conflict that lies within. And to look at the question, does church matter, by looking at the church. (laughs) And to look at the original language, we, we see the word church be derived from this word in the Greek text, ekklesia. Now, in the process of translation from the Greek to the German, we kind of derive this word for church. But even when you look at Matthew 16, where Jesus prompts Peter and he says, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It says, I will build my ecclesia. And ecclesia, at its baseline definition, speaks of assembly. But there is also a further definition of the called out ones. So, Ecclesia can be defined as an assembly of the called out ones. Yes, the church is an institution. Yes, it's an organization of the assembly. But that is not the purpose of the church. And I think we have missed the mark far too often in making church about the four walls, making the church about the functionality instead of actually the the mission and the calling that we're invited to in the very foundation of the word itself in Ecclesia. R.C.H. Lenski declared that ecclesia consists of all who are called out of the world into the kingdom of Christ's own. And the greatest presentation of the kingdom is seen in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, where all that we would define as good and as helpful is needed and as needed is presented in the outflow of a people who are following Jesus. Jesus taught about subjects such as prayer, justice, care for the needy, fasting, salvation, and more. The Sermon on the Mount includes the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' words are practical and they're concise. He, He was a master orator. And in the end, Jesus made it clear that his followers should live in a noticeably different way than other people because his followers should hold to a much higher standard of conduct. The standard of love and selflessness that Jesus himself would embody when he died on the cross for all of humanity. Do you see this connection? That the kingdom of God desires for the, what the kingdom of God desires for the world is the fulfillment of what society desires for itself. Wants the church to be good and helpful. That is the calling for the church from the words of Jesus. So if there has been a lack and there has been a disconnect, it is not because that is the the definition of church has been wrong from the beginning. To be the ecclesia is to be the called out ones. Let me, let me give you some good news, okay? I've had a lot of, a lot of tough stats. Uh, in 2012, Harold Koenig had a review article published in the International Scholarly Research Network titled Religion, Spirituality, and Health, the Research and Clinical Implications. This was a study advocated by, the, by Duke University, their, their medical and psychological divisions, as well as King Abdul Aziz University in Saudi Arabia in their medical division. 
And this paper provided a concise but comprehensive review of research on religion and spirituality and its impacts on mental health and physical health. It's a systematic review of over 1,200 original database quantitative publications between 1872 and 2000, as well as 2,100 more from 2000 to 2010. And they were attempting to identify correlations between religious activity, spirituality, and holistic health, mental, emotional, physical health. And it specifically considers prompts within the Judeo-Christian traditions. You with me? To be clear, they define religion as an organized system of beliefs, practices, and symbols, symbols designed to facilitate closeness to the transcendent. And they define spirituality as distinguished from all other things, humanism, mor- morals, and mental health, by its connection to which is sacred. So there's a separation that they're trying to define, and they're trying to see how does that actually impact the lives of those they know around them. And this is what they found. This is, this is a non-Christian study looking at the impact of religion and spirituality towards holistic health. Religion and spirituality was overwhelming help, overwhelmingly helpful to coping with adversity and maintaining positive emotions. 98 out of 99 studies reported positive relationships between well-being and happiness. Studies considering hope and religion and spirituality had 70% come back with significant positive relationships and none of them negative. The same can be found for the ideas of optimism, meaning, and purpose, all over 90%. And these were studies in particular conducted with individuals suffering from an ongoing challenge such as chronic disabling illnesses. Self-esteem had a positive relationship. Altruism, gratefulness, kindness, compassion, forgiveness in particular saw 85% of studies lead to significant positive outcomes and no negative associations. Depression had extensive studies considered in regards to religion and spirituality. And they found that there was, when there was an increase in religion and spirituality, there was a decrease in depression, especially amongst those in, uh, who are considered high risk. Similar findings were there for suicide and anxiety. Uh, personality traits that are often looked at in psychology, extroversion, conscientiousness, uh, agreeableness, openness to experience, all for the better when exposure to religion and spirituality increased. Substance abuse and, and healthy marriages were actually benefiting from having religion and spirituality in their situations. Studies found that the most common source of social support outside of family members came from religious organizations. Exercise and diet had a positive relationship with religion and spirituality. And I will be honest, the one thing that they said does have a negative relationship was weight within the church. They said, church people, they eat too much. As we're about to partake in a meal together. But that's, that's I'm, I'm trying to just give honest facts. <laughs> Coronary heart disease, hypertension, cerebrovascular disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, all studied within the past hundred years come to the overwhelming conclusion that religion and spirituality reduce the negative impacts and the possibility of each. Even 55% of studies equate religion and spirituality for a lower risk of developing cancer. 68 found that greater Religion and spirituality actually predicted a greater longevity of life that 
equated to as if you were taking a high-impact cholesterol-lowering drug. Now, he goes on to discuss clinical approaches based upon the objective findings and concludes in his research that we need to underscore the need to integrate spirituality into patient care. Now, I give you these facts not to convince you to come to church just to get healthy. (laughs) But I want us to see something. The, The church is based upon a faith and a revelation of who we believe Jesus is, what he did, and why it changes everything. But sometimes, when the puzzle pieces at play are different, it is difficult for that to be the compelling factor. But if the invitation of Jesus is to come and join in community, to be the called out ones, it's not simply to be a people who are set apart. It is to be a people who are flourishing in our creative and intelligent design, that when Jesus makes the invitation to be in the church, there is a call to greater mission, but there is actually goodness to be found within it. That all of these things that we see, all these, all these great statistics about what people have experienced within religious communities, within the Christian communities, within the church, is not the reason to go to church, but it is the activity of Christ within the church, within his people. This is, this is not a Christian study. This is them coming to the conclusion, oh yeah, we should probably have more religion and spirituality within our medical systems. Because it seems to have a positive impact and we can't really explain it, but it does. I wholeheartedly believe that to be the church is to be, as the word ecclesia is, to be a called out assembly of people. And I will, I will speak honestly, I should always speak honestly, but I'll, I'll say this this morning, that I felt called out this week in preparation for this. Felt deeply convicted by the Holy Spirit. That sometimes my approach to does church matter is simply about my experience. Instead of seeing the possibility, the potential, and the purpose of the church to be a place that matters for our world. To be about more than just myself. More than just the people I know but more than just what is comfortable and convenient, but to be drawn into the mission of God so that there is a call out into the world that needs Jesus. Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, he says, to be called out of the patterns and practices of this world's sinful and broken systems into the economy of God's grace is to become the church. This is why we gather Not for religious entertainments, not just for ourselves. Rather, we gather to hear ourselves called out by the living God. We see that his heart is kind and is for us, and we follow him out into the world as we go to love it in all places, to the margins and to the forefront. 
To be, as Paul writes in Ephesians 2, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the church. And from everything I see in scripture and from who I know Christ to be and what I know the spirit to do, if we are to become a dwelling for the spirit, then we need to step out of our places of comfort. We need to step out of just the simple habits and practices that we have drawn into simply because that is the way that we've always done it. We need to feel called into a greater mission and purpose. Because does the church matter? Well, the answer is no if we're not being the church. If we're not being the church, how can we honestly answer yes? And if our definition of church is based purely upon what makes us comfortable and not upon the call of Christ, then we have missed the mark. To to the camp that is deconstructing whether or not the church matters, what I'm trying to illustrate this morning is not that our subjective arguments are better or more valid, but that there is a grander story at play. If you received information, had an experience that, that was different and, and evil, it's not wrong. It hurts, and I'm so sorry. That's not your fault because you've been given the wrong pieces to the puzzle. But there is a beautiful picture that we're invited to be as the church that matters deeply. For those of you that have come this morning and you have this conclusion that you love Jesus, but you're kind of done with the church. I get it. I get why there's many reasons why this feeling takes place. I think we've made the mistake by saying that Christ, by, by saying that the church is the hope of humanity, when I believe that the scriptures actually communicate that Jesus is the hope of humanity. Now, this doesn't mean that we give up on the church, though. Because Jesus speaks of the church as his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. If someone was to come to me and say, Jason, I really love you, but Adriana, I got, oh. We got a problem. They say, Jason, I really want to support you, but your wife, I can't support her. We got an issue. We don't, we don't love Jesus and give up on the bride. In fact, if we feel like there is flaws and issues within the church, we need to fight more because Jesus loves the church. We need to lean in. We need to ask harder questions of ourselves. And if you're, if you're here this morning and if you're asking this question, does the church matter for yourself or you're not even sure what you think about it, hear me when I say that I feel so convicted in my spirit that if we're to be the church, we need to be more than our comfortable indications would lead. We need to be a discipleship-driven community. We need to be intellectually honest. We need to be committed to our spiritual practices. We need to be radically generous, Holy Spirit-dependent, and passionate about the bride of Christ, the church. The church is not about satisfaction, it's about sanctification. The church is not about being moral police, it's meant to be grounds of spiritual formation. 
The church is not about individuals. It's about the body. The church is not about consumption. It's about communion. The church is about, not about emotion or preference. It is about mission. So let's start to present the puzzle pieces of Christ for people to see the church as it is meant to be. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is the beautiful picture that we get to create. And if church is a place, a people, an assembly of called out ones that Jesus has set forth in the world, I'm led to believe that the church does matter. That the church is meant to be a place for the flourishing of humanity. The church is designed with beauty at its core. The church is to be more than a building, more than a nonprofit organization, more than a religious checkbox. The church is the instrument by which Christ accomplishes his purposes in the world. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at Matthew 5 to 7, and your imagination runs wild, and you fall in love with Jesus all over again, let's be that church. The church matters. The called out ones who assemble matter because Christ has called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. To serve the neighbor across the street that drives you wild. To invite that socially awkward individual that you slightly avoid once in a while to church with you on a Sunday morning because you believe there's something good and meaningful and purposeful and transformational within within community. To to give sacrificially for the betterment of others with no benefit to self. To pray for with passion for justice that aligns with God. And to serve on Sunday mornings in community groups, in uh, outreach opportunities, because the church matters and we are the church. There are plenty of of uh, responses to does the church matter that are true and difficult to swallow. But if the church is a reflection of Christ, if the church is Christ at work, then the church matters. And therefore the responsibility of us, of you and I, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, is to follow Jesus with everything that we have. To step outside of simply what is comfortable and step into the mission of Christ to see kingdom come here on earth. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Uh, That questions such as these that that maybe spark a little bit of aggravation, defensiveness, uncertainty. I pray that you would meet us within it. As that shattering takes place, I pray that we would just discover you. That we would come to know you in a deeper and more meaningful way. I pray right now for every person in this room that that calls themselves a follower of Jesus, that you would begin to convict our hearts to be the called out ones 
to desire more than what we currently see. To, to, to move forward with the mission of Christ at our hearts. And for those who are experiencing this deep conflict within, does the church matter? I pray that some new puzzle pieces would be presented to them miraculously by your Holy Spirit. Healing would take place and where betrayal was found, they would find healing. Where pain was found, they would find healing. Where a sense of abandonment is found, they would be found in you. Holy Spirit, do a work that we can't even fathom and replace the puzzle pieces to begin to form a picture that is more truly reflective of the church you desire. I pray that this that this call to action does not stay within these four walls, but it aggravates our hearts this week. That we feel challenged in every moment to step outside of ourselves. Do a new work within us. And let the spirit of gratitude and thankfulness draw us closer to you today and moving forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.